We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey guys, this is Ian Happ from the Chicago Cubs. I'm excited to announce that my show, The Compound, is now part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Join me and my teammates, Dakota Meckis and Zach Short. This week, we welcome Cubs first baseman, World Series champion, Anthony Rizzo to The Compound. Check it out. Subscribe. The Compound on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. The Chicago Bulls select Kobe White. Levine with the runway. Lays it in. Zach Levine does it again. A late shot on the middle. The Minnesota Larry Marketing. The crossover. Levine. Get out the way, Trey Young. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're brought to you by Bet Online. .ag. We're part of the Blue Wire Network. Jason, you're a Cubs fan. Blue Wire is adding a new podcast with Ian Happ. That's pretty cool, huh? That is very exciting. Fun times here for Blue Wire. We decided Baron Davis. We've got Ian Happ coming in. So we're making we're making big moves here at the uh, Blue Wire Podcast Network. Love to see it. Love to see it all around. Uh, we're going to be talking to you today about Jim Boylan. This is going to be Ooh. sort of the start of our bowl season review podcast. We're going to run through the season in Jim Boylan a little bit. Uh, but first, I think we should probably just touch on what's going on in the NBA right now. It looked like the league was all but set to return with a 22-team format, heading to Orlando, season restarting with eight regular season games each beginning on July 30th. Uh, it seemed like all those pieces were in place, and this was like definitely going to happen, Jason. And now a little bit of resistance coming from the players. Uh, there was tons of reporting on it over the last couple of days. Kyrie Irving being one outspoken member, uh, sort of helping gather a group of players to sort of talk out their frustrations uh, with the idea of the league coming back during a time when uh, there's just so much, so much of a fight for racial justice in the streets following uh, the murder of George Floyd by the police in Minneapolis. 
you also still have a lot of complications from you know the coronavirus pandemic and a lot of lingering questions with that. We have players like Donovan Mitchell, who's up for an extension, uh, who's bringing up injury risks that you know he could have after so much time off. So uh, there is a lot of unrest in the world right now, Jason. There's a lot of unrest in the NBA, which is, of course, a league predominantly made up of black players. They do not want the return of the league to overshadow uh, sort of this movement for, you know, defunding the police, abolishing the police, uh, finally starting to come to grips with systemic racism throughout the country. And it is a fascinating conversation, I think. I I still don't think we know exactly where this is going to go. But what an interesting few days it's been in the league. And it's, it's great to see, I think, the players finally start to use their voice a little bit and uh, you know, we haven't, we didn't really hear about this discussion framed like with the union. It kind of seemed like, you know, the union sort of ratified whatever the owner's proposal was right away. And then the players started talking amongst themselves. But uh, I think it's been awesome just to see the players sort of, you know, talk this out and try to come to grips with how they're feeling about everything. It's definitely really interesting. I was tweeting a bit about this on Friday. I was like, I feel like every Friday there's like new details about like, health guidelines and like schedule updates like all this like drip drip of like oh about this all this return to play stuff meanwhile we're getting these like reports about how players like you mentioned Kyrie Irving I saw like Dwight Howard released a statement I think that was last night kind of backing him up and I think he mentioned Donovan Mitchell I think Melo has been kind of uh apprehensive so like while there's all this stuff the NBA is like pushing oh yeah we're coming back coming back in July and then Meanwhile, there's all this other stuff happening in the world. And then these players kind of talk about, I think there was, was like 80 players on the Zoom call and Kyrie Irving kind of led it. So it definitely is kind of interesting. It just seems like the NBA maybe put the cart before the, I, I don't even know if I'm saying that right, but they, they almost feel like they kind of jumped the gun uh, with maybe this return to play announcement. I mean, I know they wanted to get some type of like plan, plan on the table. Uh, so they had these dates and I understand it. There's obviously so much money involved. Uh, but it is interesting. That there, I'm not surprised that there has been some pushback. I mean, there's obviously a lot going on. All these guys are fighting for something bigger than basketball. Um, ultimately, I do think they will probably end up trying to play. Uh, we kind of saw Patrick Beverly had a tweet like just an hour before we started recording. Like, you know, if LeBron says he wants to play, like uh, we're going to play. <laughs> uh, I don't know if he was throwing shade at him or if he was just kind of telling telling it like, the, like it is, which is probably kind of true I, I feel like there's no lies there but uh, i know lebron was not on this call and i know there was an article in the athletic about why he wasn't like i know we, him and like i know the superstars i think that came like a month or so ago like a group of superstars got together and said they wanted to play like chris paul's the head of the nb uh national basketball players association and there's been some there was some like uh real like puff pieces out there kind of just like talking about how like, cp3 is great leadership here and he gave some quotes about how oh yeah we know like everybody is going to be involved with this seems like maybe that wasn't totally true. Like it, it seems like there's some players were upset, but not having a bigger voice in these conversations and that some of like the younger players were kind of like intimidated about speaking up. Very definitely very interesting that this is all coming right up right now with, I mean, it's we're a couple weeks away from these training camps supposed to be open. Obviously we've seen, you mentioned the coronavirus. We've seen these cases explode in places like Florida and Arizona and some other places with a lot of people have just kind of given up uh, on like social distancing and mask wearing and all that. So that'll be interesting to see how that impacts this return. And then the protests as well. There's just so much going on right now. Like, you know, like I almost just like don't even care about the NBA coming back, especially with the bulls being done. Like if it does come back and they're able to do it like great. Uh, but there's obviously just so much else going on. So it's just kind of like, it, it's just kind of wild. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, we should sort of, 
focus this back on yeah. <laughs> Bowles and Jim Boylan, since that's what this podcast is about. Yeah. Uh, we're going to start with some comments Arturis Karnaschovas made uh, about Jim Boylan when Karnaschovas met with the media uh, briefly. Uh, and he, basically, Karnaschovas was sort of defending his decision to not fire Jim Boylan already. Since this is the Jim Boylan podcast, I guess we'll start off by talking about his future since uh, the official determination hasn't been made. Jason, I'm someone who is like not super upset about the fact that the Bulls haven't fired Boylan yet because I think Jim Boylan will not coach another game for the Bulls. If he does, that's an absolute failure, and I will immediately lose all faith in Karnaschovas and Eversley. As we've been saying from the beginning, this is a very easy first test to pass. Uh, Karnaschovas hasn't done it yet. He said that he wants to meet with Boylan in person. Uh, and, you know, there is there are there is at least like a chunk of Bulls fans who are just like totally offended by this. And I get it, given all the bad will, the last Bulls regime uh, sort of built up, but how are you feeling about the fact that uh, Boylan is still currently the head coach? And how are you feeling about Karnaschovas' comments to the media? Yeah, I mean, I understand the impatience. Uh, it seemed like it should be something done super easily. Like you come in, you're making this change, you talk about accountability, and that's one of the things that Karnaschovas talked about. Let's go. Like, no more excuses. Like, we're going to hold these people, everybody accountable. Like, no more injury excuses. Like I said RIP to the Derrick Rose. When Derrick Rose went down, that set us back line like no no more of that so like you hear that and you're like all right so Jim Boylan should be fired like he's 39 and 84 and his two years with the Bulls we've obviously seen just all the awful negative stuff that happened there was almost there was basically a mutiny when he came on board last year the team was awful for most of last year besides one little stretch they underachieved big time this year so you think this yeah you said easy decision come in fire Jim Boylan so I get why some people are impatient and the fact that John Paxson is still in the organization and the fact that it's constantly pushed that like ownership and John Paxson uh, like they like Boylan, they want him to stay. I mean, you so you, you put some of the pieces together, and it's like, well, clearly, like ownership and John Paxson meddling with Arturis Karnaschovas and like them pushing him to like give him a fair look. I understand if you're gonna look that way. I personally am not like that worried about it. Like, there's the reporting has been out there. Joe, Joe Colley has been reporting, and other people have been reporting that. The decision's basically been all but made. Like, Karnaschovas, like, and Eversley, like, they, they know that they need to change. They were brought in to make big change, and you're not going to – I feel like they're not going to come in and just and see what happened here. They've heard stuff from players that's negative, and we'll talk about a bit more about that later. They've heard negative stuff. Uh, so I don't. I just don't think they're going to they, – they're not dumb. Like, they they, they know Jim Bowen's reputation around the league and what people think of him. Uh, they, I think they're, they're going to end up making the decision. From what I can tell right now is they're trying to do the quote-unquote fair thing they want to, like you said, they want to meet in the building. Uh, they want to meet with him face to face before firing him. I know they didn't do that with Gar Foreman, but I feel like Gar Foreman like was just so toxic around the league, like that didn't matter. But we've heard these rumors about how like the, the coaches' association, like Rick Carlisle, is like pushing the stuff about how the Bulls have like treated their coaches like shit in the past, which I mean is not totally wrong here. I mean, you look going back to Phil Jackson left on crappy terms. Uh, Vinny Del- uh, not Kyle was fired on Christmas Eve. Yeah. Tim Floyd, they multiple Christmas, Scott Skiles, yeah. I think there were multiple Christmas Eve firings. Uh, I mean, Thibodeau got the kick in the ass out the way, on the way out with that statement from Jerry Reinsdorf. Even Hoiberg, like, I know Hoiberg was bad. He had his problems, but he got fired and Boylan replaced him like right as like Larry Markin and I think might have been Bobby Portis and Chris Dunn last year were coming back. Like the team was decimated by injuries to start last season. And right as they were coming back, they fired Boylan and Paxson gave this whole thing about like, I can't remember what he was saying about Paxson or about 
horrible why they fired him, but they kind of they kind of gave him the shaft too. So like, that's not totally wrong that the Bulls have kind of screwed over their coaches. So like, if they if they know this, and I mean, one of the things Eversley they've talked about is like building relationships. And if they want to help build these relationships around the league and build back up that reputation, like if that means that they want to give Jim Boyle the again quote unquote fair shot, I, I mean, sure that makes sense as long as they ultimately make the decision to fire him. I know the counter argument there is like, well, if you really did, if you're planning on firing him, but you're just like like trying to do this like delay to like save face, like that's kind of treating Boyle like an idiot. I mean, whatever. I feel like he would probably he's, he seems like a kind of guy who'd appreciate at least getting like the man to man like firing, like giving me that shot, like that he would actually appreciate that. So like. Again, yeah, I am not that that bothered by it. I'm not worried about it. Like I do under like you, like you, I do understand why some people are worried about it. But I think ultimately, as long as they make the decision to fire him down the line, there's a lot of time to make this decision. Then it's fine. So let's quickly touch on some other stuff that I feel like we've talked about the last couple of weeks. But just to go over it one more time, uh, Casey Johnson did some weird reporting that boy or some some good reporting, but reporting some weird facts that Boylan was actually doing some tasks related to the GM job, like working with agents, uh, focusing on duties that were larger than the head coaching role. So that was kind of weird. Also, we had reports this week that uh, Adrian Griffin could be a top candidate. According to Joe Cowley and Darnell Mayberry, also the Spurs assistant, Udoka, uh, could be a top candidate. Shams mentioned. I think he's with the Sixers right now, Udoka. But either way. My bad. Uh, And Shams mentioned Kenny Atkinson. So just hitting all that stuff real quick, Jason. I still can't get over this boiling, you know, partial GM duties. To me, it feels like the old guard making excuses for a coach they loved so much. Uh, for like, you know, uh, being an objective failure, like they're just going to try to cover up for that. I feel like that's what this is. Also, it shows just how small the Bulls entire operation in front office was. I mean, they were have been seriously understaffed. It seems like compared to other teams the last few years, the Bulls very much a mom and pop shop. Uh, and I feel like that's the only way that you would have someone like Boylan doing duties that go outside of the head coaching role. Uh, so any thoughts on that or on the uh, coaching search? Yeah, real weird. Like, why Why is Jim, somebody like Jim Boylan taking on some of those extra roles when he's bad at coaching in the first place? Like, that makes absolutely no sense. Uh, part of that reporting, too, like, Casey's been talking about how, like, Karnaschovas has been, like, empowering Boylan because they're, like, having them do all this stuff with the current team, like, like acting like he's the current coach, which, I mean, he still is, uh, which I think is also playing into the fact that why I understand why some people are upset. Like, you see words like Arturis Karnaschovas empowering Jim Boylan. Like, why are you empowering him to do anything? Okay, I get it. So, like, I don't know. Again, I think it, it, it almost just seems like it's kind of just, like, giving, throwing a bone to the old regime, which clearly just was was bad. And the fact that they had Boylan doing this extra stuff, bad. In terms of uh, these these two names, uh, Ime Udoka and um, Adrian Griffin, uh, yeah, Cowley reported, I think, Udoka as the, fr- as the supposed frontrunner, like, this past week. Darnell had reported these two names, like, going back to, I think it was, like, April. So, I think we talked about, we talked a bit about Udoka, I think when we had, um, we did a, the Sixers pod back uh, a while back. Uh, I mean, Griffin, we know, has has deep ties to the Bulls. He was on Tom Thibodeau's staff. Uh, he played with the Bulls. I mean, both these guys are former players. I think that both guys make sense. They've kind of been, they've been assistants kind of like on the rise for a while now. Griffin with the Raptors, obviously a lot of su- success there. Udoka from the Pop Tree and uh, and, uh, with the, and with the Sixers right now, like obviously good teams. I believe Udoka is one of the highest paid assistants in the NBA right now. So uh, he makes, he's been paying his dues. He's, he's high up there in terms of assistant coaches. So like, 
I feel like both guys make sense. If again, I bring up the relationship thing again, uh, and obviously they, and again, they both have ties to Eversley and Karnashovas because with going to the Raptors and then Eversley with the Sixers, uh, it makes, it makes a lot of sense there. So to have these ties and these relationships there, and they talk about the, uh, that and being such a big part of the league and having guys who can relate to players well as former players themselves. I feel like those names make sense. Uh, on the Kenny Atkinson front, I mean, obviously we saw what he did with the Nets and he helped develop uh, a better culture there with the younger team. Obviously, it did not go so well with the superstars in place there because we've heard that uh, like KD and Kyrie weren't really meshing, even though KD hasn't played all year, but that they weren't really a big fan of Atkinson's style and his offense. I know they were mad about DeAndre Jordan not starting at first, and we saw right away after Atkinson got fired that DeAndre Jordan immediately went to the starting lineup. Clearly obvious there, but I mean, right now the Bulls are not in the superstar game. Obviously, we hope at some point they will be, but if we're looking for a coach that will help develop young players and help get the Bulls to a level where superstars want to go there, I mean, Kenny Atkinson wouldn't be a bad choice. Um, I know we've talked about on this pod before. I think we talked about Wes Unsell Jr., Nuggets guy. I think we've brought up Becky Hammond, possibly, if you want to go outside the box. She's on the pop tree as well. Obviously, the pop tree's not everything because Jim Boylan's on the pop tree. But uh, I, besides those two guys, do you have any other names uh, or, or those few names I just brought up? Those two, Udoka, Griffin, or Atkinson, Wes Unsell, they mentioned Becky Hammond. Is there anybody else out there? I know like, I think Cowley's been like banging the drum to bring the Tibbs back, but that's obviously not happening. Yeah, I don't really have any new names. I just want to say that I'm excited to finally give the benefit of the doubt to the new front office because yeah. we've been in a position where we haven't been giving the Bulls front office the benefit of the doubt in like, I don't know, 20 years. So at least I'm going to give these guys a chance to prove that they don't deserve it. Uh, and certainly if Boylan's the head coach for, you know, even one day longer than he should be then that's over. But yeah, I'm just open to see what they're going to do with the head coaching hire. I think that that's going to go a long way towards, you know, shaping what the immediate future of the Bulls is going to look like. And, uh, you know, I, I just want to see what they can do, really. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, before we do uh, a Jim Boylan season review, again, this is a Jim Boylan pod, we will kind of go over just everything that happened this season with Boylan and with the Bulls in general. Let's take a quick word from our sponsor, Bet Online. There's no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partners, betonline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back, and BetOnline is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. And if you need even more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. Looking for something else other than sports? BetOnline has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out. So visit betonline.ag and use that promo code BLUEWIRE for a free welcome bonus. That's one word, blue wire. Bet online, your online wagering experts. Jason, back in September, when the Bulls met the media for the first time, Jim Boylan sat down at the season opening press conference and declared that the Bulls wanted to make the playoffs. Boylan said, quote, our goals for the season are to make the playoffs and every day to prepare like we're a playoff team, every day to work like we're a playoff bound team. I'm excited for that. I think that's the only way to do it. There's no way that we're going to stand up here and say, hey, I hope we can win 10 more games or hey, I hope we can be better. I want to get to the mountaintop. Well, Jason, if the mountaintop is the number eight seed in the Eastern Conference, that has to be the world's lowest mountaintop. But the Bulls couldn't even accomplish that. In fact, during a time when the league is welcoming back teams up to six games behind the eighth seed, the Bulls 
didn't check that box either. They end the year with 22 wins, which is eight games behind the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference. Uh, there was a time, Jason, where we were relatively optimistic about this Bulls season. Uh, I said on this podcast numerous times and I wrote that I thought, you know, the Bulls probably had a pretty good chance to make the playoffs. I thought they could do it in large part because it wasn't really that great of an accomplishment. The Eastern Conference, you look at the bottom half of the conference uh, and it, it was just like not very difficult. I thought that if Wendell Carter took the jump that I sort of expected him to take, if Markin and Levine sort of continue to develop, and if the new free agent signings, which I really liked at the time, Tomas Sadoransky, Thad Young, and Luke Cornett can contribute, I thought the Bulls could maybe hit that goal and actually be the eighth seed for whatever that's worth. Well, Jason, I'll say the one thing that I discounted was <laughs> Jim Boylan being the most actively harmful coach in the entire league. And I think that uh, while it all sounded good during the preseason and during media day, it quickly unraveled. It absolutely did. We saw them flop right out of the gate. Even yeah, I mean, if you want to make injuries an excuse, which Karnasov says no excuses, uh, they they weren't uh, hurt to begin the season. I know it was Porter. I think was hurt within like the tenth game. I think that Hawks game. I believe they were three and six at that point, or like yep. two and six, something like that. Like they started awful. Uh, they lost to awful teams. That the first game of the year, they blew a, li- a ten point lead against the Hornets in the fourth quarter. Uh, that Knicks game where they they gave up like a fifteen. I can't remember what that run was against the Knicks that they gave up to end the game. Just got absolutely annihilated by Bobby Portis. Uh, we saw them lose a few times to the Warriors. We saw them lose some other goofy games, and I know they 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 kind of fi- turned things around against bum teams on like December. They had a nice little stretch, but and that was like the only. And at that point, there was one point like at the end of December, like they were like a, two games I think out of the eight seed, and like they had a game against them in Orlando where they had a chance to like I think pull in like a tie or something like that. And they they of course they choked down the stretch in that game, like they did in so many games this year. They lose and they basically once the seed, the calendar turned to. 2020 and they actually started playing good teams in January they got their ass beat and they got hurt and then it was all over so yeah just a lot of bad and a lot of stuff you kind of mentioned with like with with guy with specific players like making a jump I think we just saw with, with Carter with Markinen and you mentioned like Thaddeus Young and Thomas Sadoransky we just saw a lot of issues with guys I think having issues with their roles uh either they didn't like them they didn't they they the roles didn't make sense and I think a lot of that goes back to Jim Boylan. Uh, I mean, we, again, Larry Markkinen, disastrous season. I mean, he was awful for the first couple months. Um, he did show some t- signs at, as the season went on, but it's like he like never had an answer. Uh, just, just major, which is major, major issues the whole season. And I know he gave some quotes recently. I think on like a finished podcast or something about how just like how he just didn't just his role just wasn't a wasn't great for him. He mentioned something about like. How about how Boylan would tell him like oh like to get the ball more like we'll get rebounds and like push pace and like transition like well that's not like the easy way to like what can answer like what is that like we just I mean we just saw it all year that Markinen after that first game which he was great it just he was never he just never got comfortable uh, he was used too much as a spot up shooter they just didn't use his versatility enough we saw Thad Young complain about his minutes and his role like he talked Thad Young mentioned something uh, earlier in the year about uh, I think it was that like did, like he basically said the bulls lied to him and free agent, like in their free agent meeting about what his role would be like and how he would play. He ended up being kind of, again, like a floor spacer. Um, 
Uh, Tomas said Rancy made some comments to, I think, like the Czech media about how he was confused about line, lineups at times. Like, we thought Wendell Carter Jr. was misused and his, his skill set wasn't being used. Uh, and Carter, uh, you asked Carter a question at the Rising Stars Media Day at All Star Weekend, and he tried to give, he like laughed at you when we you brought up Boylan. He, he tried to play, like play it off nice because, like, you know, like I didn't like Jim at first, or like he wasn't, wasn't really a big fan of him, but like I love him now. But he, I feel like he even, like, like, knows what the perception of Boylan is, and he knows he can do more. He knows he could be used differently uh, just from that answer. And then obviously we, there, the Zach Levine stuff, there's been multiple times where Boylan and Levine have clashed, where uh, there was the, the benching. That all that, that did lead to like Levine's best game of his career, but the benching, we've seen Levine's discuss like, at the goofy Boylan timeout situation, which we'll talk about that more later as well. But a lot of stuff from players, and I, and, and when, when Cowley reports stuff like the players have given him bad feedback, you just go back down this line of players who obviously not happy with Boylan. I haven't even mentioned Denzel Valentine because he's not really as as important to this, the future of this franchise. But Denzel Valentine obviously has also been in Boylan's doghouse for just kind of being jerked around with his with his playing time. So like you see all this stuff with the players and certain players just not developing like we'd hoped. That leads to them being twenty two and forty three. A lot of that comes back to Jim Boylan. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to go back to the beginning of the season because I remember coming into the year, people were pointing at the first six games, five, six games on the Bulls schedule and being like, well, they're playing some of the worst teams in the league and they should at least be able to go 500 or, you know, a game or two above 500 during this opening slate. So the Bulls started the year at Charlotte. Charlotte was widely anticipated to be one of the very worst teams in the NBA, probably the worst team in the league. I think them and the Cavs were projected to be the worst teams in the league coming into the year. The Bulls are up 10 in the fourth quarter. We talked about marketing and had a great game in there, 35 and 17. Uh, and the Bulls blow it, really set the tone for what we saw the rest yep. of the season. Bulls lose that game 126, 125 just pathetic they win the next game their second game of the year against memphis that was a tight game levine went ham kobe white had his first scoring outburst so that was good their third game they lose by i think 24 points to toronto at home and that was not even considered when we looked back on the season one of their worst losses that was like oh well you know toronto in their third game without Kawhi leonard whatever they just beat you down at home by 25 basically (laughs) The next game at New York, the Bulls lose 105-98. They blow another fourth quarter lead in that one. That was when Bobby Portis was just abusing them. I think Portis had like 28 in that game. He was amazing. Bulls lose that one. Bulls lose the next one, which is at Cleveland. That's during John Beeline's disastrous stint. Yeah. Uh, And then the Bulls did get a win over Detroit. And then when I really knew that this season was going to be straight garbage was the game after Detroit. The seventh game of the season, Bulls playing at Indiana. The Pacers were without Victor Oladipo, without Domas Sabonis, without Miles Turner, and the Pacers still beat the Bulls by double digits, 108-95. Uh, that was, I believe, an afternoon Sunday, Sunday afternoon game on November 3rd. And uh, when that happened, I thought that there's there's basically no hope for this season. The game after that, and this is the last game I'll talk about, but uh, was the Lakers game when oh, the Bulls gosh. were up 13 early in the fourth on the Lakers. And for, if memory serves, the Lakers just like wiped out that deficit in like three minutes. Oh, uh, yeah. They just like totally smoked the Bulls. I remember Dwight having a big game for that one. Bulls fell to two and six. And yeah, I mean, that's pretty much the story of the season. That's when the Bulls were 
healthy. That was all without a Porter in the lineup. Uh, Porter would get hurt the next week. Uh, the Bulls would use that injury and the ensuing injuries as sort of a crutch for why they were bad. But even when the Bulls were at full strength, they were really terrible, really disappointing against a super soft schedule. I think that there's somewhat of an urge to sort of diminish early season results because an 82 game schedule is so long. You have so much time to correct yourself. I put more more stock into the start of the season than anything, really, because most teams are fully healthy. You get to see what teams really focused on during training camp, during the offseason. Uh, a lot of times when a guy ends up having a breakout year, they'll show it in the first 10 games of the season. And, you know, the Bulls did show them their true selves during the first 10 games of this year, and their true selves were garbage, one of the worst teams in the league. And, you know, that's how the Bulls ended this season with 22 wins in a shortened year. Uh, the Bulls would not have gotten to 30 wins on the season because I think they had 17 games their left. Schedule. They had a tough mm. schedule. Yeah. They would have had to play 500 ball the rest of the way. It wasn't going to happen. Bulls end the year with 22 wins. And, uh, you know, they showed us who they were early in the season, I think. I'm glad you brought up that Lakers game because there was a ton of... This is a Jim Boylan pod. There was a ton of criticism Boylan that game because he basically kind of let that that lead just disappear quickly. I think he had like a Bulls bench unit in, like almost all bench unit, and he just let them blow blow the lead without calling a timeout. And by the time like everything was kind of like, I think by the time he called the timeout, the lead was like totally gone. And he just had some goofy quotes after the game, like you know, I want to build my bench up, like I really want to build these guys up. Uh, and so it was something like that. And they're just like, dude, no. And that again, they, a loss like that just kind of set the tone because they had played, they had played their best. Great. That first half, the third quarter, they were up double digits. Like you said, and then the Lakers, the Lakers had were kind of dicking around and it was obvious once they flipped that switch, it was just like game over. But Boylan played a role in that with his strategy by having like a bunch of bench guys and not calling a timeout early enough. And what like by the time that he tried to do it, like everything was just going the other way. Uh, so that really, that just really hurt. Yeah, like you said, that was that first part of the season kind of showed, which just set the tone for everything. It showed how it was bad, and it highlighted Boylan's bad coaching. Just and uh, just kind of more on that. Just and just like the lack of, I think the lack of adjustments were a big problem. Uh, and we, Stefan Noah wrote a great article on his Patreon. I think that was like was one of his last articles he wrote. He's been taking a little hiatus just about how the Bulls should improve significantly once they fired Jim Boylan. He just had a bunch of good stats out there uh about like the defense because if a lot of if you want to talk about like good things Boylan did a lot of people will point well well, the defense was like ranked I think it was like second or third at one point in the NBA before uh, I think once December was over but once they started playing like the good teams then it just kind of fell apart uh we we obviously talked a lot about the blitzing defense that they played uh and we kind of talked about how it was like a paper tiger and they forced a lot of turnovers. The bulls were like tops in the league and like turnovers forced like deflections stuff like that they were very aggressive like they getting Chris Dunn out there to be so aggressive and some of these other guys, like it worked against crappy teams. We saw it in that December, like they, they were able to shut down bad teams and teams without like smart players and basically just the non good teams. Like the bulls were able to force a million turnovers. They even force a bunch of turnovers since good teams, but they were able to force a bunch of turnovers and get a lot of stops that way. And like, while that worked against bad teams, we kind of argued like all season that like, this wasn't really sustainable. It's kind of a gimmick. Uh, and we kind of saw that. We saw it in games. We saw it against good teams. So Stefan points out, and this is something we talked about as well, about how the defense would progressively get worse as the game would go on. That highlights like a lack of adjustments once teams figured it out. Uh, we saw them. the Bulls were 2-23 and against teams 500 or better. Obviously, we wouldn't expect them to be good against like the, the best teams, but like that's 2-23 and is ridiculous. 
one of those wins was against a Clippers team, like missing, I think, Paul George and Kawhi. I oh, know it was Kawhi, like Lou Williams and Beverly. The other game was a game against the Mavs. Uh, I, I know Zach Levine didn't play, but Porzingis didn't play. I think there were some other key Mavs hurt, and the Bulls almost blew a late lead in that game because of Jim Boyle and goofy timeout stuff in like the last minute. Uh, so that that record against bad against against good teams just kind of highlighted just like how much of a like the Bulls like good defense was like I don't want to totally take it away from them, but again more kind of a gimmick. There's other stats Stefan in here showing talking about like they, their clutch play was awful. We saw them lose a ton of clutch close games. Uh, their after timeout like ranking was 23rd. No, not 23rd. 20, this is fourth quarter, 23rd, 26th. They were bad in after timeout plays. Uh, yeah, just it says worst team in the league at ATO. So the, here's the actual stats. Worst team in the league at ATOs, 23rd and fourth quarter play, 26th in clutch situations based on net rating. So just kind of all that just kind of highlights, and we saw that in those early games, and we saw it as the season went on, and just kind of highlights just, I think that's highlight bad coaching. I do want to put some of it on the players. Obviously, we saw Levine sometimes would have some issues late in games trying to play some hero ball uh, on other guys as well, obviously, but uh, I, in general, a lot of that has to go back on the coach. So again, if you want to bring up accountability and you look at stats and you look at what happened in film, uh, on the film in these games, it's a huge indictment on Jim Boylan for, for a team that had these expectations to be so bad in these important situations. That's just bad for a head coach. And it's, it's one of the reasons why he should be fired. Yeah. And I didn't update these numbers, but I tweeted on January 8th, the Bulls net rating by quarter. So this is from January 8th. But in the first quarter, the Bulls were plus 3.3 in terms of net rating. In the second quarter, they were plus 1.7. Third quarter, negative 8.7 <laughs> for the Bulls in terms of net rating. In the fourth quarter, negative 2.1. So to me, that just screams that like, Opposing teams were going into the locker room, figuring out the very easy adjustment to beat the Bulls blitzing defense. The Bulls had no adjustment for that adjustment and would get run off the floor. And I think that that very much falls on the shoulders of Jim Boylan. It is absolutely crazy to me that, uh, you know, this is the guy that John Paxson decided to, you know, die on the hill for like. Paxson had so many lives in the front office, but like this was his last one. This is where he was like, you know, fine. If you're going to fire Boylan, I guess you got to fire me where every single piece of objective evidence pointed to the fact that Boylan was terrible. Uh, Not even mentioning the fact that like literally no one respected him. Like besides for Paxson, you could hardly find another guy. I guess the scout man (laughs) respected Boylan, but besides for that, like, Boylan was universally uh, panned by everyone, and he was uh, just like garnered no respect amongst his peers in coaching who got upset at him for his ridiculous timeout use and for the players. So, Jason, uh, I'm just going to put you on the spot here. I hope you're ready for this uh, very important question. But Uh if you had to say, what was your favorite Jim Boylan timeout this season? Oh, my God. Jesus, uh, the one where I, I can't remember which game it was exactly, but there was one where where Zach is seen either on the bench or on the court, and he just goes like, "Was this against the Wizards, maybe?" And he just goes like, "Why the fuck are we calling a timeout like down like I don't remember exactly what they were down." Whichever one got that Zach Levine reaction would be my choice. I, like, I can't remember exactly one which one, but that one because yeah, I mean that timeout thing became like a huge talking point at, towards the end of the season where Boylan would take these timeouts like down whatever down 10 12 points with like 30 seconds to go i feel like that the game where they beat the hornets levine levine's 49 point game 13 threes gets the game winner they were down i think something like eight or ten points in the last minute they're like i feel like that game like 
Boylan would just like point to that game, like you see how we won that game. This is why I'm calling these timeouts because we're not we're not done playing yet. So yeah, and there were just so many. I think there was a Raptors game where like the, the Raptors announcers were like, "Why the hell is this going on right now?" Uh, it just kind of became like a whole running joke around the league. I think John Hollinger tweeted a joke about like the timeout usage, like when Zach was doing his three point contest. So like it, the thing like went like went again like laughing stock like national news was Jim Boylan called dumbass timeouts late in games. Which what was your favorite? Yeah, I was gonna say the Toronto one only because of Boylan's <laughs> response. So the opposing announcers freak out. Bulls are down twenty with like inside of the last minute or yeah. two minutes. Boylan calls a timeout uh, and the reporters asked him about him after the game. And here's Boylan's response. He's like, Toronto was a different situation. How many ATOs do you think Adam Makoka's had drawn up for him? That's a young guy in our developmental program. It's like, dude, you are literally making such a fool of not only yourself, but the entire franchise by calling a timeout to drop an ATO for Adam Makoka. When you're down 20 points in the final minute of a game, like where is the competitive spirit in that? Like where is bulls across the chest in that? You're just making yourself look like a clown. <laughs> and that's the one that stands out to me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, totally. It just the goofy, and obviously like the goofy boiling, the timeout stuff, like the goofy quotes after games. Like I, I, I had in my notes here, the field of dreams stuff. Like there was, there's just so many goofy boiling, the boilingisms. Like you said, like you could just pick so many. Like I said, the field of dreams quote was just goofy as hell. Like if you build it, like I can't even remember exactly what it was, but like it basically about if you build it, like the team will get better and all that, all that kind of stuff. Just, I, 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 like, I think we've talked about this before as well. Like I might, well, at some point, at like to a degree, I'll miss the goofiness. Assuming they do fireball, and I'll miss some of those goofy quotes. It was like you see these these things come across Twitter. Like it was almost like a must like see like time on the Twitter timeline when it was Jim Boylan like pregame or Jim Boylan postgame after bad losses. It was like you were just like seeing what what goofy stuff would he say next. And like there are some great like gifs out there about Boylan that I like using. Like the one where he's like covering his ears and like going ah, like I'm not listening. And then some other like the when he's nodding with that like shit ass grin on his face. Like I, I am gonna miss some of that aspect of Jim Boylan, but obviously just like so much also bad stuff and some of the other bad stuff here is we, we're gonna wrap up here pretty soon. But uh, some the stuff with the injuries I didn't like the it's like the injury mindset. There was the stuff with, like the Daniel Gafford when he like wouldn't take him off the floor. That kind of played into the timeout thing where he like did wouldn't take a timeout for Gafford because I feel like he was worried about like using like using them too much because I think earlier in the year there was a point where Boylan was using his timeouts too much and he would be left without them late in games so the whole year there was like some goofy jim Boylan timeout thing whether it's using them late in blowouts or using them too often early in games so he wouldn't have them late i think because there was that game against the thunder uh where the bulls blew that whatever like 26 point lead and Boylan did not have a timeout late to advance the ball uh and i, I feel like that almost kind of spooked him as the year went on uh, so that's like that kind of stuff in the again the injury mindset. I think like with pushing guys through player through injuries, like we saw that with Chandler Hutchinson, like he would talk about how you know he's just got to play through it, he's got to tough it out, play through it. And we saw Hutch again have major injury problems and like recurring injury problems. There was the stuff with Larry Markinen where he kind of boil him to kind of hint that oh you know he's got this like oblique issue, blah blah blah, and that, like hinting that there was possibly an injury, but that he was playing through it and all this kind of stuff. So that wasn't great. And then one of the things that actually did make me mad, again, a lot of these Boylan's press conferences, I would, they were so bad and goofy that they would, they were funny. One thing that legitimately did make me really upset towards the end of the season or before the hiatus or whatever, Boylan totally shifted the goalposts on this team. And you go back, you mentioned that he, 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 made a, he set a playoff goal at media day. 
And then he kind of comes towards the end of the season and he talks about how he's done a great job and how they've done exactly what I've, or I've done, I've done what the front office has asked me to do. And he points to the defense and he points uh, to like build like instant or installing systems on both ends and like a style of play. Like he's like, I've, Oh, I've done exactly what, what, what I've been asked to do. And like the front office has been pushing that and it's, it's been pushed a bit. And just like, and just complete goalpost moving on what the team set out to do. Like, you set this goal of going to the playoffs at the beginning of the year. Now you're whatever, 20 games under 500. You say you're doing a great job and all the, and like nothing's wrong. And like, I, they shouldn't fire me and all this kind of stuff. Like that was one thing that definitely irked me totally the wrong way. Like, I, I don't want to say like everything Jim Boylan does is bad, but this, this kind of list here. And then the moving of the goalposts, just, I feel like it was kind of an insult to the fans, to everybody just that's been following the bulls this season. So it's, Super annoying stuff from Jim Boylan. Yeah, we should name our favorite Boylan quotes really quick before we sign off. Stefan No did a great article on this on his Patreon, so be sure to subscribe to Stefan once he brings that back. I'm sure he will, and uh, just check it out always. But uh, the first one that really jumped out to me, and I talked about this when I did an appearance on CLTV with Jared Payton is I was explaining this quote, Jared Payton started just cracking up in the middle of the set and then like said that there was like some moisture in the air or something and he had to call commercial and it was because he couldn't stop laughing. But basically this was, I believe in the Lakers game, I think, but I should double check that where he said, I can't play for them. They have to come out and do it themselves. Just like Boylan, dude, what are you doing? Like, do we really does anyone really expect Jim Boylan to be able to execute even like the most basic NBA scheme? He couldn't even coach it. God knows he couldn't go out there and play it. But, uh, you know, watching Boylan coach on the sidelines, he was always in defensive stances. He was always ready to like trap the ball handler himself as the coach. So Boylan saying I can't play for him. That's one that jumps out to me. The other one that jumps out to me is after the Bulls lost. I think it was the first time to the war. When the Warriors, uh, you know, held the worst record in the league, obviously everyone on the Warriors was hurt by that point. Boylan said after the game, there is no shame in this loss, which I remember <laughs> feeling a massive yeah. amount of shame just in hearing that quote. Oh, from my Jim God. Boylan. Yeah, yeah, I totally forgot about that quote. And now you bring that up. And now I'm just angry again. I, I I'd have I have the, the feel of the dreams quote because that's just funny because that also spawns some great memes. I think somebody on the Internet made like a feel of the dreams like movie posters. And instead of Kevin Costner, it was Jim Boylan. It was basically the question was, what makes you think the winds will come? And Jim Boylan said, if you build it, they will come just like goofy as hell. Like obviously quoting, I think Hoiberg did the thing with like looking at like old movies, too. And like, I mean, obviously, who knows, like how many of these guys actually like care about field of dreams or some of these old movies like i don't know how well like the the like watching old movie clips works with like this generation of players i'm assuming maybe not great depending on the movie you're using i honestly have no idea i'm no coach i don't know exactly what makes these guys take but the field of dreams quote definitely just just kind of left here's the here's the here's the full quote we need to keep playing the way we're playing boiling begins again this is when they're playing like ass uh they were what is their record at this point this was after they lost to portland uh this was i think like early early or late November. So they obviously had been terrible at this point. We need to keep playing the way we're playing, which is hardened together. The winds will come. Winds are always good, but we're building this thing. We got the blocks being laid and I like our efforts tonight. I like our togetherness and I like our competitiveness. Uh, if you build it, they will come. <laughs> Have you seen that movie? <laughs> Just like <laughs> completely fucking goofy stuff uh, from Jim Boylan. And like you said, there's just like so many, I've like almost, it's been so long since we actually like, heard Jim Boylan talk and the Bulls actually play like I've kind of forgotten a lot of things but 
there's just been so many. I mean, going back to last year as well, there was plenty of goofy stuff as well. Like, uh, he talks about like the care factor and like the what was that? some of those other that goofy stuff. I can't again. It's, like my mind is just like totally boggled right now. But just so much goofiness in these last few years of Jim Boylan. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm ready to move on, and I know you are as well. We've talked about this forever. Uh, I don't know how much more we want to spend on Jim Boylan here. I feel like we've we've been rambling about Jim Boylan enough here. Do you have any final thoughts? About Jim Boylan, his thirty-nine and eighty-four record, and whatever, like one-plus seasons with the Bulls. Uh, any lasting thoughts here on on old Jimbo? Fire him, and I will be very interested to see what Jim Boylan does the rest of his coaching career. If he's going to be an NBA assistant, if he is going to be a college head coach, maybe he goes back to even being a college assistant. Uh, I will follow Jim Boylan's. his career closely whatever remains of it because he was very entertaining for us i think he was totally overmatched (laughs) at being the head coach of an nba team and i will be interested to see if he fares any better in whatever his next job is yeah i agree and i will say that like i know a lot of people like we think boylan's a bad head coach i think he's probably a decent assistant coach like i mean he's obviously been an assistant for a long time uh, he, I think he knows the game. Like he did some pretty good. Inter- he did a good interview series with Darnell Mayberry, the athletic last year, where you read it. A lot of the stuff he see, he says like, "Oh yeah, that makes sense. I agree with this philosophy." It's just like in practice, and as the actual head coach of a big market basketball team like the Chicago Bulls, it just, it's just not for him. It's just not not it. We we saw him even going back to like his Utah days when he was a head coach. That it does not. Yes, it just has some issues as a head coach. Uh, and the Bulls can do better. Because I don't think he's a bad guy. I, I, I joked about the care factor, but I think he does actually care about the players. He does work hard, I think, and puts in the work. He just is not right to be a head coach. Some guys are better as assistant coaches, and they're just that once they get that head job, it's just not for them. And I think we've learned that about Jim Boylan. Uh, I don't think any other NBA team should give him a head coaching job. I think he'd be fine as an assistant somewhere else. Uh, like I said, maybe he goes back to the college ranks. I don't know. But yeah, as long as he never coaches another game for the Chicago Bulls again, I'm happy. I will wish Jim Boylan the best. All right. That does it for us. For Jason, I'm Ricky. This has been Cash Considerations. Uh, you can rate and review us everywhere you get your podcast. We always appreciate that. Drop us a line on Twitter. I'm at SBN underscore Ricky for some reason still. And uh, Jason's at Bulls <laughs> underscore J. Uh, I guess that's it for us. We're out. Yeah, hold on, Ricky, real quick. Didn't you just win a national title? Yeah, uh, I just I won a natty last night. Yeah, no big deal. My second title in 13 years, I guess, is head coach of Western Illinois (laughs) in my sim dynasty where I don't play any of the games myself. I simulate everything. I just do the recruiting and set the coaching strategies. So uh, we won a big ship last night, man. Felt real good. I'm still going to be continuing that series. I actually announced a spinoff series where one of my former players, whose name was Deke Van, he was a center on my first national title team in year eight, which was the 2015 season. Uh, I've decided to create him in NBA 2K20 and to play with him on the Sonics, who I'm adding as an expansion team. So uh, the newsletter is going to keep growing uh i might eventually start writing about real basketball i guess i should probably do that considering it has been my job up to this point but uh for now i am just doing this video game thing it's been really fun i had 5200 people check out the twitch stream last night so that was pretty dope uh we had 900 viewers on at one point when we were winning the title uh and yeah i'm uh, branching out a little bit with this deke van spinoff 
And then, you know, otherwise, we're just going to keep this Western thing going. I'm, I'm wondering if I should leave now, go to another school. I got two titles and three final fours in 13 years. Do I have anything? Legend. I feel like MJ in 93. Like what challenges are left for me? But uh, maybe I'll take another job. Maybe I'll go to DePaul. Maybe I'll go to Illinois. Maybe I'll go to some other college or maybe I'll stay. I don't know. We'll see. Either way, you're a legend. Uh, yeah, next week, uh, assuming there is no Bulls news, again, uh, assuming that Karnaschovas is going to take his time with Boylan, we will probably continue the season review series. Uh, we'll probably go over some of the key players. We're, we still have to decide if we're going to do player by player. We obviously got nothing but time here before the Bulls are actually uh, relevant again. But So we'll figure that out. We'll be back. Maybe we'll ask some questions of, of you guys. Obviously, we're always, always up for suggestions your questions uh to answer about the bulls so uh until next time as always shout out to uh, blue wire and bet online and this has been us for the past few generations take it easy we'll talk to you guys next week whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.